Hello, it's Wednesday the 2nd of August. I'm Andrew Harrison, in for Miranda Sawyer, who's been called into the jungle with Ant Deck and Boris Johnson. And this is Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we put the morning press under the microscope, find the wildest and weirdest stories, go head-to-head with the headlines, and try to work out what it's all saying about Britain right now. We're out three times a week, mid-morning, every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, so make sure you follow us on your favourite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Now, today's The Headlines. I've been indicted and I just can't hide it. Donald Trump faces four new charges over his attempt to overthrow democracy and some of the papers managed to catch it. Good news for once, the holy grail of cancer drugs is discovered and new AI systems will spot breast cancer early. Plus, the satellite's on the blink again. NASA boffins lose the $1 billion Voyager 2 spacecraft after mucking about with the aerial. That's paper cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the what the papers say of the digital age. Now that front pages are the size of a postage stamp on your phone, they have to scream even louder. Joining me today, I've got two of our regular pressologists. Hello to freelance writer for the New Statesman and loads of other places, John Elledge. Hello. Welcome back. And we also have stand-up comic, comedy writer for The Last Leg, 8 out of 10 cats and late night mash, and 50% of the celebrity romance podcast The Way We Were, Gronny Maguire. Do you quit cock dinner? Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> now, right. It if is I, a head to stroke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, it is a double nightmare day for the district formerly known as Fleet Street because A, the papers can't agree on the big story, and B, there is one. Donald Trump getting indicted, but it broke too late for them to put it on the front pages. So all of the papers have retreated into their comfort zones, haven't they? Gronia, what have we got? Well, we definitely have a few Plan B headlines. Um, I think that's quite obvious. So on the, the lead story in the Daily Mail, we're shaping Labour policy, both eco-mob. So essentially what they're saying is that because they've recorded a bunch of Just Stop Oil people saying, hmm, Labour has slightly shifted their policy, the Mail is now presenting this as Just Stop Oil is running the Labour Party. Well, yeah, so they've taken over from the trade unions. Mm -hmm. And I just love how Daily Mail this headline is. It's Labour policy, eco-mob. If only they could have got Meghan Mark and thrilled, (laughs) I think that would have been a bonanza. What's it do for house prices is what I want to know. Well, I, and I, I worry about pensioners and refugees. And car drivers as well. Very bad for car. Well, We're coming great, back to the car drivers. We are indeed. There's a great bit inside as well where they discover one of these eco-mobsters and they discover that he spent some time in a tunnel with Swampy. What have The Guardian got? Because The Guardian have also gone into their own uh, secure place, their own safe space, actually. Their top tale is uh, an asylum seeker story. So this is the ongoing story of the 222-bedroom Bibby Stockholm. What what would we call it? Well, some would call it a a prison hulk. (laughs) It's it's the most depressing cruise ship ever, which is really saying something when you think (laughs) cruise ship. So that is this um, barge that the government want to put asylum seekers in. Um, Another problem, firefighters have said, it is a death trap. So that's what the Guardian are leading with. Asylum seeker barge, maybe death trap, firefighters warn. So 
heartbreaking news for Suella Braverman. Yeah, it may be that uh, it's unable to be used and turns into another very expensive um, symbolic uh, immigration white elephant. And John, uh, you've got you've got the two bits of good news uh, on the Times and the Metro, haven't you? I do. It's two different bits of good news concerning cancer. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Uh, the Metro has a uh, actually genuinely really interesting story about a new pill uh, which can somehow sort of like uh, it recognises the cancerous cells and zaps them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the headline is Cancer Holy Grail. Which is remarkable. It, it is. It's genuinely... It's, it's, I think it's the first bit of good news I've read possibly this year. Mm, Certainly yes. this summer. Mm. Um, and, and there's another one in the Times. It can, I thought these were the same two, the same story, but no, it's a completely different uh, good bit of news on cancer. It's also a good bit of news about artificial intelligence. AI can help medics spot more breast cancer cases. Uh, a study involving more than 80,000 women in Sweden has shown that, you know, if you use AI in in the process of detecting cancers, uh, you can find a lot more of them than clinicians can do on their own. So, yeah, it's it's, it's nice that you know, there are some there are some happy things in the world. And it's interesting, isn't it, because you would not, you know, as, you know, outsiders tend to think that the, the papers just spoon feed people the most uh, lurid, the most shocking, and even the kind of the broadsheets that, you know, they go for, uh, you know, for, I think, what, the horrible Kelvin McKenzie used to call the Doris, you've got to look at this factor. <laughs> and yet to run with some fairly positive stories about cancer, not necessarily you would imagine being the most box office thing. So that's quite a good thing about the press, isn't it? It is. I mean, this has always been a running theme of um, of, of British press coverage. I don't know if anyone remembers a chap named ben, ben Goldacre, who who's a science writer. Um, he, he used to uh, talk about a thing called the Daily Mail Ontological Oncology Project, mm. or possibly Oncological Ontology Project, one, one way around yeah. the other. But the Daily Mail's ongoing mission to divide every substance and every experience in human existence into things that cause cancer and things that cure it. But there have always been a lot of reports about uh, good news on cancer as well. Mm-hmm. What I like about these ones is it actually sounds like real science rather than something someone yeah, has made really up. Yeah, saying, you know, eat three pairs in order and that will... Yeah, you have to do, I think it's largest to smallest. Now, um, the Telegraph, um, I think it's the only one that actually managed to get the, the Trump indictment on the front page. Uh, no, actually, it is, oh. it is on the top of the Times okay. as well. But these were, I think these were last minute rejects. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, um, late last night, none of this, uh, none, none of the sort of early drafts of the front pages look like this. Um, the Telegraph does um, have a big picture of Donald Trump, though, uh, above the line, Trump to face four charges over Stop the Steal campaign. Beneath that, it's original splash uh, about the business secretary trying to undermine a policy known as the zero emissions vehicle mandate, uh, which which will require a certain gradually escalating proportion of cars made by manufacturers in this country to be electric only. The idea being to kind of like over time, we will move to a point there's no new emissions producing cars being built in this country. Uh, but but the business secretary is is uh, claims she's on the side of business. She's not on the side of woke climate nonsense yeah. and people who are on the habitable planet. The Headline is Badnock pushes ministers to ease net zero rules on car makers. Yeah, the, the Telegraph really has gone all in on anti all net zero, anti, you know, pro pollution. Well, you've got to remember that the average Telegraph reader is not going to be here when climate change starts getting really bad <laughs> yeah. sometime in 2025. Um, so, so like they they're less worried about the future of the planet than some of the other papers, I think. 
Now, Space, the Daily Star, who else, has a front page of the story of the Voyager 2 probe lost in space after Earth techs tried to adjust the aerial. The $1 billion space probe has lost communications with Earth and is now billions of miles away and uncontactable. And I'm feeling a bit worried for it. I think it's probably lonely out in the void. Sky News called this a mildly embarrassing case of human error. Gronia, what's going on here? So this is covered in The Guardian and The Daily Star, mm -hmm. which it's The Daily Star, so of course it covers space news. I find this quite uh, reassuring as somebody who's probably broken or locked themselves out of every phone they've ever used. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite nice that even, you know, scientists press the wrong button sometimes. Uh, so a spokesperson said that uh, they were fiddling around with something or they were trying to adjust the aerial and they inadvertently caused the antenna to point two degrees away from the Earth. As a result, Voyager 2 is currently unable to receive commands or transmit data back to Earth. Now, this is a little bit more serious than, like, Sky Sports is looking a bit fuzzy. Can you get up there and shift it around a little bit? This is a billion dollars on a mission that began in 1977 oh that goodness. I think, I may be wrong on this, but it's possibly the furthest object we've ever sent out of... of oh, no, hang on, that'll be Voyager 1, because they had a head start. So it is, you know, it's not just turn it off and on again, is it? I just think the story is so fascinating. Like, this is somebody's worst day at work ever. Mm. Like, can you imagine if you were, like, maybe temping there? Or, <laughs> like, how do you... Somebody did that. Is somebody it, did is that. Is it the worky? As the worky, the, can I have a go on oh. Voyager 2? <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Is it somebody, then, like, on work experience, somebody's kid was in, and they yeah. went, oh, press that, go on, it'll be fine. The, the star does have a picture of, they've mocked up a picture of a boffin. Yes. It doesn't look like the work experience, lad. It's very much more in the sort of mad scientist. It's very much in the, I'm in Back to the Future vein, yeah. but that's how they think of boffins. Mm. The, the only mm. newspaper in the world that uses the word boffin, by the way. Gronia, the star's headline is also quite good, isn't it? Uh, so the star deal with this very important uh, science story with Voyager, we have a problem. There you go. Now, John, isn't this the plot of Star Trek the movie? Voyager disappears and returns as a sentient being. Uh, I think that does come up. Yeah, yeah. there's also, although my favourite one was always the one when they had to go back in time and rescue the killer whales. Yes. Uh, so that's a great one. Um, but you I think... do that now because the killer whales are actually destroying vessels and would pull the Enterprise to pieces. I mean, the killer whales are basically the Borg, is what yes. we've learned recently. Yeah. Um, they, they, you know, they cooperate as well, don't they? They work they together. Do. But what I, so like, I grew up with Star Trek. Um, and everyone in it is kind of like hyper-competent. It's very mm. much like Space West Wing. Uh, what I find reassuring about this story is it's much more space the thick of it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it, is, it is literally like, you fucking what? You did what to it? Yeah. Um, you imagine somebody in NASA just stomping around going, just fucking fix it, will you? I don't know how to fix it. It's just like, this is literally, this is half a century in the making, this cock yes. up. Like, I remember watching a, a documentary about the Voyager space probes when I was a kid in the 80s. I think there's an episode of Cosmos with Carl Sagan where they talk about this. That's how far back we're going. And now they might never get it back. Like, apparently, theoretically, there is a point in October where everything automatically resets. We'll believe it when we see it. Now, we are headlines mad here at Paper Cuts. They are the zenith of the newspaper person's art, boiling down a complex, funny, or just weird story into a single zippy little zinger. So what are today's candidates for the Hall of Fame and do they measure up to the Independence Classic on a story about a trip to salvage an Imperial Russian treasure ship, Tsarship Enterprise? That's magnificent. <laughs> it's pretty good, that, isn't it? Yeah. So, John, what have we, what have we got in your uh, Hall of Fame of headlines for today? 
So I have to say my favourite for the day is uh, the story about Boris Johnson trying and failing to build a swimming pool at his his massive house in Oxfordshire. Uh, he's trying to build a, a pool that's 11 metres by 4 metres. So mm-hmm. hardly, it's not, not an ambitious pool. This yeah. is a perfectly modest pool for an ex-Prime Minister. But he's being thwarted uh, by, by the local council who are very worried about uh, the fact that it could interrupt uh, the local population of great crested newts. And the headline The Guardian has gone with is, Have We Got Newts For You? That's beautiful, that, that is isn't it? Also, uh, my friend Jim pointed uh, described this as uh, Ken's Revenge. The Revenge of Ken Livingston, yeah, the yes, yes. The Revenge of Ken Livingston. That, you know, you know nice. else like swimming pools, don't you? Hmm, yes. Uh, what, what else have we got? We've got? We've got two related stories, haven't we? Both we we headlines. do. So there's a, there's a, I don't know if you call it a lovely story, a slightly embarrassing story of... Uh, uh, the famous teetotaler Rishi Sunak uh, pouring a pint to to publicise some some slight change in the in the tax regime around beer, which is very much not covering for the increasing costs yeah. brought by other tax changes and Brexit and so on. While he was attempting to pour a pint like a man who's clearly never drunk one in his life, he was shouted at by a local publican uh, about about how difficult it is to to run a pub these days. Uh, the Metro has gone with uh, Rishi Jeer Festival. Very good. And uh, the Star has gone with a. Uh, She's totally stout of order. <laughs> I, I love the pictures as well because the, the woman at the Great British Beer Festival who stood next to him has been doing a series of magnificent side eyes. She just looks so disgusted. She's just like, what the hell are you playing at, man? Also, um, in, he, he described himself as a teetotal chancellor. He forgot which, despite being sober, he forgot which job he had. <laughs> yes, this is true, yeah. And uh, I, as well as being a guy who cares deeply about motorists, even though he doesn't know how to fill up a car and flies everywhere in a helicopter. Well, cars are for the little people. Um, the important ones have helicopters. So. This is true. This is true. Granny, you've got a cracker in the mail, haven't you? Well, so if you think you have a difficult neighbour, spare a thought for the woman featured in this story. So a woman has waged a nine-month campaign of harassment against her elderly neighbour because her hanging baskets dripped water onto her driveway. <laughs> so she made the driveway wet. Yep, and a thing of water is like our most precious resource at the moment. So if mm. anything, she's doing her neighbour favour. Headline is watering torture. So this is mad, isn't it? Because she actually set up a proximity alarm to go off every time this poor old woman goes to water her plants. She started. She set up an alarm. She started taking photos. She started like she was making rude gestures at her neighbour for washing her plants. This is the male loving anything that smells a bit of keeping up appearances. They love a neighbour dispute, don't they? It's, and actually the Times is getting a bit that way too. It's very like a 1976 sitcom plot, mm. which, you know, to be honest, I think we need more of. It's very Hyacinth Bouquet. Listen, this woman, uh, give her own sitcom. This is the content we need. And you've got some good stuff in the uh, two good ones in the sun. Well, so speaking of sitcoms, mm. um, if ever you wanted to just have the concept that broadcast television is dead and we're, you know, do we even make sitcoms? Do we even make programmes anymore? No, we don't. So how do people make money nowadays? Well, the olden days, they'd, you know, be on television. Not anymore. Uh, in between her star, James Buckley has been earning £10,000 a week from giving shout out to fans on the Video Greetings website Cameo. Right. In character, hey? I mean, I think so. I don't think people are going to be like, oh, I'm more a fan of just James Buckley's like later stuff or yeah. his early stuff. <laughs> I think it's very much his in-betweeners character. And the headline is? 
TVJ's a bus banker. Well, there you go. That's, that's sharing the uh, the shared knowledge, the corpus of knowledge. But this is like, gener- like this is this is where the British entertainment industry is. Like mm. that's where people make money nowadays. We're we're all just one step away from doing an Aldi fans, aren't we? Really. Also, can I just? There's no bus in this story. That headline doesn't work. Yeah, somebody says bus mm. wanker, doesn't it? It's sort of it's 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 okay. It works. I think as they say confidently enough, you kind of just go, oh, I'm, I assume that works. Yeah. And then you think about it for a little bit. I and... think it's a good one. And the, and the, the song has another one about uh, one, of, one of our podcast favourite stories. Okay. The messiest family in Britain. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, these deserve their own reality TV show. So it's Captain Sir Tom Moore's family are fighting in order to demolish a pool house built without permission. And the headline is? Tom Poolery. Amazing. Yay. That's high quality. That that's a, They're actually being told to demolish a whole load of stuff, but the sun, because they're professionals, are focusing on the pool to get the headline. I like that. It's so, it's just so mad. Like, I just, they went from being, you know, that, that man's legacy and inspirational lockdown story to, like, Kardashian-level bad yeah. choices, which is... It's impressive. I'm, I'm waiting for them to do like you know the the, the Colossus of Rhodes style statue <laughs> of Captain Tom with his walker, yeah, just like forty feet high, yeah. over the pool. Yeah, with a gigantic banner over the top that said, "It's what he would have wanted." Yeah. <laughs> Lest we forget. <laughs> Around 10 o'clock last night, long after all God-fearing subs were in the pub, news came through that Donald Trump had been indicted on four additional counts, three conspiracies and one of witness tampering in his campaign to overturn the vote in the presidential election of 2020. Most papers are lucky to get an inside story. The Telegraph, as we mentioned, managed to get it onto the late front page. John... Tell us more about what they've got, what's happened, what's going on here. So so late last night, which I think was probably late afternoon, uh, East Coast time, uh, the special counsel Jack Smith announced in the Federal District Court in Washington that uh, Trump was being indicted on three different charges of conspiracy. One, to defraud the United States. A second, to obstruct an official government proceeding, uh, which was the certification of the Electoral College vote. And the third, to deprive people of the civil right, which was, you know, the right to vote, which is a fairly significant civil right. Uh, This this brings uh, the number of uh, cases in which Trump is being um, charged to three, and the number of individual charges to Quite astonishing, seventy-eight. Incredible. Uh, and we're we're what six months off the first the first primaries, five mm. months off at this point. But the stunning thing is, like, does anyone really think this is going to to, to kind of hobble his campaign? That's the frightening thing. It's it was, terrifying. Yeah. It's like um, a, a Fox News host whose uh, whose name I sadly forget did just say, "Why don't they just hang a, a Biden twenty twenty four sign?" outside the Justice Department. This is how it's going to be perceived in right-wing media. In oh, it's how it's going to be presented in right-wing media. It's not, yeah, it's going to be like this is, there, there is a conspiracy here. It's a conspiracy to stop the Trump campaign dead because he's going to win. This is how they're going to present it, which is why people are going to still vote for him. Yeah. Um, and we are an international podcast, though, so we're going to look at the New York Times, which has gone, had the time and the resources to go absolutely, as you'd imagine, because it's an historic event. So, so yeah, I, I, I gave up reading the New York Times coverage on, I, 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 read, I read a chunk of it on the train in this morning and I realised it went on for literally dozens of pages. 
they've tried to turn it into an infographic. So if you look at the New York Times's front page, they've got like the, the graphics team has, has has been just running riots. They've got like a diagram, and it's like you know one arrow says charges filed, another says investigation concluding. Uh, there's like various of arrows, but it's just pointing to different bits of a little cartoon of Donald Trump. There's not it's not like a timeline mm. or something. It's like um, his his right hand says charges added classified documents case. I don't know what that's got to do with his right hand. Uh, it it just feels like the kind of the, the graphics team have just been uh, given a, too much power over the situation. It is a strange um, scenario, isn't it? Because on the one hand, it is historically important. This has never ever happened in the history of the United States before, and it opens the door to a whole load of other completely unprecedented things, such as the possibility of a, a person on trial and possibly even a convicted criminal running for president and possibly winning. So, so uh, it turns out there have been convicted criminals who've stood before. In fact, there was already one in this year's race. I don't know if we yeah. all remember the Netflix documentary, uh, is it Tiger King? <laughs> uh, Joe Exotic is running for president from prison. He's probably not going to win. Yeah. In, in 1920, uh, the socialist candidate Eugene Debs ran from prison, where I think he'd been, uh, he'd been locked up for refusing to serve in World War I, I think. He won like a million votes. So that's the most significant. Yeah. The difference here is that, that Trump could plausibly, he's almost certainly going to get the Republican nomination. He could plausibly win the general as well if things go badly for Biden, if the economy turns or whatever. You know, it is it is not impossible. It's a two-horse race. Mm. And it turns out there is absolutely no legal or constitutional provision to prevent a convicted criminal from either standing or serving as president. Uh, and like, if, if, if he wins, there's a whole other constitutional crisis heading towards the United States. It just turns out the, the people who wrote the US Constitution never considered that this might be a risk. The British press finds it hard to handle Trump sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, this in a way, they kind of dodged a bullet here by it happening so late because The Guardian can go all in on how, much, how disgraceful he is and how much they hate him. But The Times um, and The Sun find it difficult because obviously other branches of the Murdoch empire are completely, as they say in America, in the tank for Murdoch. Um, you get quite a lot of equivocation. You get quite a lot of this strange focus on, oh, the excitement and strangeness and weirdness of the Trump White House. Mm. Um, I mean, the Times has, so far as I can see, it's a reasonably neutral report. They've just kind of like tried to write down the facts mm. without... The Telegraph, the striking thing about the report on the front page of the Telegraph is the second paragraph uh, includes the line, Mr. Trump said the charges showed he was being persecuted by opponents in a manner reminiscent of Nazi Germany. They've let the guy frame the story here. Mm. And it just feels like, you know, right-wing newspapers in this country kind of like automatically want to sort of favour the, the Republican candidate. Even though this guy is, he's not just right wing, he's hes trying to overturn democracy. And even the Telegraph generally thinks that's a bit much, right? Well, mostly it thinks that. Mostly. Gronje, has this shaken your rock solid faith in Donald Trump? Uh, I mean, I, ju I just find the whole thing so depressing because I think, so Ireland, we have a real sort of emotional connection to America. Mm -hmm. Like it's really common for, I've got like auntie and an uncle living in America and I feel like we've got a clue. I know you guys talk about your special relationship, mm -hmm. but Irish people side-eye that because we have the special Have connection. you got a picture of JFK on the mantelpiece? No, but my both my grannies did. Of course. So we had this, re well, I always grew up with a very sort of intimate, romantic idea of America. I always thought I'd love to move to America. It was always this real aspirational, idealistic, romantic place in my head. And I just, in the past five years, it just is crumbling. Like, it's just crumbling. 
And it just feels like it's kind of a failed state at the moment. There's so many states where I like ethically couldn't visit, mm. where either medically I wouldn't be safe or morally I wouldn't feel comfortable. It's And I've got relations over in America who are big Trump fans. Really? And it's just, they listen to these podcasts and they're like a call to prayer. It's just rants and rants and rants and they do not make any logical sense. Mm. And they're good people. I know this sounds cliched. Everybody's a good person, you know, when you're related to them. But they're just, their brains are curdled. Like they really are curdled. And logic and sense are no longer any factors. And the fact that, you know, we're in a situation where we're kind of normalised. It's so, oh, yeah, Donald Trump tried to overturn an election. Oh, is that on page two or page three? Mm. It's just quite, it's quite depressing. I just hope, uh, you know, the next riot, I don't see any relations in the crowd. That's what I'm hoping. (laughs) There's my Uncle Ken. (laughs) I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Lots of people talk about us and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. It's down in the depths of the papers that you find the best stuff in features, lifestyle, fashion and the bizarre little bits known as nibs or news in brief. So what have you found today? John, what have you got here? So um, the Sun has, I'm going to be honest, I find this story genuinely more upsetting than the Trump stuff. Really? Uh, really, I will come to why. Uh, it's it's uh, ITV bosses who are prepared to make an audacious bid of more than £700,000 to get Boris Johnson into the I'm a Celebrity Jungle. Johnson, who I think still has some pretensions to, 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 to political greatness, uh, turned that down, despite the fact that you could probably get him to do quite a lot of stuff for £700,000. The reason I'm finding this so upsetting, though, is because a couple of paragraphs down, it says that uh, having failed to get him, the show is trying to target another former PM, Liz Truss. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, see, I'm not wrong, am I? This is because, like, she, she's going to do it. Like, we all know that she's going to, like, there is going to be, like, she's photo gonna, evidence because of her flirting the right with someone. thing to do. <laughs> yeah. She's going to be flirting with someone in the jungle God. on national television. Uh, and it's just like I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely horrified by this. Uh, apparently, they've also been uh, talking to um, ex-deputy PM Dominic Raab and uh, two former chancellors, Sajid Javid and Kwasi Kwarteng. Well, it went so well for Matt Hancock. I can't imagine why they're not third. It. It's like it's the most Matt Hancock thing ever. Is like yeah. this genuinely worked out for him. It to some extent helped him resurrect his reputation. And did it though, third, or did it third. obliterate his career or make him a laughing stock? His career. I mean, like, okay, you say that like his career at that point did not come pre. Literated. That's true. Yeah, he was. I mean, he's been a laughing stock about as long as I can remember. Mm. So, like, I think it it made people warm to him. But it did make him get deselected, didn't it? That was the that was the straw that broke the camel's back for him to be booted out by his constituency. I think also, like the, do you see who they've chosen for his constituency of West Suffolk? To yeah, Nick Timothy. Nick bloody Timothy. The bloody the, the, the fly blown Rasputin, the man who crashed <laughs> Theresa May's. Yeah, so I don't understand why why the Conservative Party don't hate this man more than we. 
do. Yeah. It's like he wrecked the 2017 election campaign for them. He lost them their majority. And he's spending his whole time these days writing annoying columns that say things like, crime in this country is really bad, isn't it? Where does that come from? The government should step in. It's like, you were in the government. You were a senior <laughs> advisor at the Home Office and in number 10. Yeah. Like, and, and like he's just been allowed to fail upwards. Maybe he should campaign in a hot dog costume, just saying, we're all trying to find the guy who's responsible for all this <laughs> shit show. So that's a pretty amazing story. He'll be on I'm a Celebrity soon enough. Just um, you wait. And what else has the Sun got that you've spotted? Uh, the Sun has also got a story. This is a terrible story of national decline. Holidaying Brits uh, and the Costa Blanca have been spotted se- uh, setting up, uh, putting towels on 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 sun loungers at five thirty in the morning to to guarantee they get them. Firstly, this is a terrible insight into how little news there is. Yeah, it's a full page story. It's a full page story. We're well into silly season, but also this is a story about national decline because this is exactly the sort of thing we used to have a go at the Germans for. Yeah. <laughs> and now look at it. Like we don't we don't have the German economy. We don't have the living Living standards, but we have stolen the thing where we put towels on the beach. Yes, first thing in the morning. And I mean, the, the headline is all gone mad. But all gone I mad. mean, isn't there a kind of actual headline to be had? It's the sun for God's sake. <laughs> I feel like there's bigger things happening in the Mediterranean as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it is on fire. Read the room. The picture they've chosen. It looks a pretty, a pretty kind of grey and drizzly day. It looks like the front of that Blur album, you know, with the guys in the swimming pool in the middle of a rainstorm. Very also, strange. I'm- I'm not kidding. I don't think I'm going mad. It looks like, I'm sure it's just like the sun on the water, but it really does look like there is fire in the background of this picture. <laughs> yes. It looks, like, it, it looks like one of those photoshops of people sunbathing while a city burns behind Yeah, it is like that picture of Tony Blair taking a selfie in front of a bomb. <laughs> Grania, what have you got? Uh, well, you know what I've had enough of? What? Elites. Oh, not them again. Oh, God. Oh, God, we're the worst. Okay, well, speaking, since I'm amongst fellow elites, well, yes. uh, another part of our, our membership has been exposed. Uh, in This is in the Telegraph, in the comment section. William Sitwell, you know who he's sick of? Anti-alcohol elites are blind to the benefits of drinking. If I know one thing about the elite, it's they're pissed all the time. <laughs> they really love a bit of port and a bit of claret. What is he on about? So he is convinced that sober people, so you know all those smug AA people, yeah. their 12-step recovery programs. Living the dream. Living the dream, all those annoying people who just want a tonic water, mm. that they're the real elites and they're ruining the fun for everybody else because he says... When it comes to drinking, this is a direct quote from him, nobody does it quite like the Brits. Which bit of the Brits? I mean, (laughs) you know, uh, surely the hero of the Telegraph, Winston Churchill, beat Hitler by drinking solidly for six years. At the other end of the political spectrum, The Guardian has a couple of interesting things about uh, peeves, the pet peeves of various food establishments. I know you've got a theory that The Guardian are always spotting things that we enjoy that are actually bad for us. Yes. Well, this is an example of it going to restaurants. Okay. So these are a list of things apparently that people do in restaurants that really annoy restaurateurs. And it's compiled by the restaurateurs, isn't it? They've got their vox popped a load of restaurateurs. They're what drives you up the wall. And this is, I've worked in a restaurant and I, when you work in a restaurant, you hate customers so much. You really <laughs> begrudge them. You're like, oh God, I've got to work today. And when there's no customers, you're like, oh my God, this is the best job. So I'm on their side. Uh, so some of the things that really annoy restaurateurs is people don't read the menu when they... Claim to have food allergies, let's say being 
insisting something is gluten-free, but then when the bread arrives, they are suddenly aren't gluten-free. They're happy to have um, some sourdough. Impatient diners and people adding salt to food without test without yeah. tasting it first. And I think I've got a theory. I genuinely think we as a culture after lockdown have still not figured out how to exist in public. Mm. So I think we're all still basically animals right. from lockdown and we haven't quite figured out. Like we've been to the cinema recently or in any public space, people are monsters. And that's your lot for today's edition of Paper Cuts. Thank you, Gronya Maguire. You've got a, a, a live show for your podcast coming up, haven't you? Yeah, so I host a podcast about celebrity breakups called The Way They Were, and we've got a live show in London on September the 15th. Okay, so The Way They Were, search for tickets and go and see Gronya in the flesh. And thank you to John Elledge. Thank you. I'm really embarrassed, by the way. We turned up in matching outfits today. <laughs> well, yes, if you're watching some of the video clips on social media, you'll see John and I both wearing the Paper Cuts t-shirt in a horribly matchy-matchy fashion faux pas. I, I thoughtlessly wore it out to dinner with my family the other day because I just I just couldn't be bothered to change because I'm very depressed at the moment. Uh, but my but my 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 extremely cool uh, 25-year-old actor cousin, Alexander, uh, said he listens to the show and it's, it's the first thing I've ever done in my life he's been impressed by. So Fantastic. thank you. Thank you, Alexander. You see, T-shirts work. They, they spread the word. Uh, well, if you like these T-shirts, you could possibly win one. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Paper Cuts Show. Links are in the show notes to keep up with us and also to find out about our Fix the Headline competition. We put a good story with a slightly rubbish headline up on Twitter. We're not calling it X. And threads. And if you post your better headline, the best one will win a Paper Cuts T-shirt like the ones John and I are wearing right now. Don't forget to follow us on your favourite podcast app. And if you really liked it, then please do give us a good review on Apple Podcasts. Rave about us with five stars and a proper few water scorcher review. I've been, and I remain, Andrew Harrison. You've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when we learned that influencer Mr. Beast is suing a burger kitchen because in his burger partnership with them, they produced revolting burgers. My question is, you're buying a Mr. Beast burger. What kind of a burger do you expect? See you next time.